Welcome to the True Vine Podcast. Wherever you are listening, we hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and brings perspective that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Praise the Lord, everyone. Amen. So good to be back at True Vine and to see all of our friends. And um, so good to see your pastor and first lady again. It has been over two years now. Because in 2020, we were here only through recorded video, and uh, then we had to move this back. So I think 2019, around this time, might have been the last time that we were here in person. So we have anxiously awaited this opportunity, and it's so good to be back with you, so good to have my wife with me. It is a whole lot funner when she's with me. That's right, Pastor. In fact... I've had pastors say to other pastors, you know, if you want to have revival, get Brother Green in. But if you want to have revival and fun, make sure his wife comes. So I must not be too much fun, but uh, I, I want to hear from God today. Amen. High honor to your pastor, a unique man, not just in personality and gifting, dry, witty humor, very intelligent but also a tremendous man of God, and I'm thankful for that. And also the tremendous heritage upon First Lady, and she carries that generational anointing with grace, and we appreciate them so much. So it's always good we get a chance to be with them. While you're standing, let's look toward that prophecy of Joel, chapter 2. I'd like to begin reading at verse 23, Joel 2, 23. What the Lord has given me for you tonight is absolutely been revelation to me. And it's very specific to where we are right now in church history and the direction that we need to take coming through this unique, unprecedented time that we have been in the last 20 months or more. So I'm reading from verse 23, Joel 2. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. And the floor shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow with wine and oil. And I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the cankerworm, and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. And you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you, and my people shall never be ashamed. And you shall know that I'm the Lord in the midst of Israel, that I'm the Lord your God and none else, and my people shall never be ashamed. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. This is a powerful prophecy that for generations we have been pulling from and declaring there is an end time revival that God wants to give to us. And so I want to preach from this principle and simply entitle the sermon today, The New Norm. The New Norm. God bless you. You may be seated. 
Welcome to those that are online as well. I hope that you'll have church with us. Not just tune in and perhaps watch, but you'll have church wherever you might be today. Have church with us. This term, new norm, is heard everywhere you turn. Marketing gurus have realized this is a buzz phrase. And so in every commercial, everywhere you turn, seemingly billboards everywhere, you're hearing about the new norm. This phrase, new norm, is defined this way by Wikipedia. It's the state to which an economy or a society, etc., settles into following a crisis which differs from the situation that prevailed prior to the start of the crisis. So you've got an old norm, you've got a crisis, and then coming out of the crisis, you have a new norm. This term was first coined in the 07-08 financial recession that hit our economy here in the U.S., mostly in our real estate and houses began to be foreclosed, and businesses that owned buildings began to foreclose, and a huge recession back in 07 and 08. And so economists and those that dealt with mortgaging and lendings and the buying and selling of such properties began to declare, we can't go back to the way things used to be. We can't go back to loaning like we used to loan and the mortgages that we used to have and, and the guidelines for that. We have got to go to a new norm concerning real estate, commercial, residential, etc. And then this phrase began to spread across the world because in 08 through 2012, what we dealt with in the States began to be a global problem. And so all across our world, 08 through 2012, you could hear the new norm considering things of finances and real estate, etc. And then, of course, when we began to move into this global pandemic of COVID, is that, is that what I hear, Pastor? That this COVID-19, that this corona, this, this has put us into a place where global pandemic is upon us even still, although I believe we're coming out of it, and we have been hearing a new norm. And they are telling us we can't go back to the way things used to be. Now, I know that all of us hate to hear that because we're pining for the way things used to be. We're yearning if we could just get back to the way church used to be. If we could just get back to the way this was operating and the economy and this and that. And we all look to the good old days and wish that we could go back to that. But the truth of the matter is we will not go back. We will not be allowed to go back. Not even God will allow us to go back to doing what we used to do. It is time for a new norm. Now, if you Google new norm, Mrs. Google is going to send you to maybe, you know it's a woman, she knows everything. So Mrs. Google is going to send you to probably 12 out of the first 15 sites, at least when I did, sites that speak about globalism. Globalism. If you're not sure what globalism is, it's just a fancied up term for a one world government. 
a one-world economy, a one-world military. It's what the Antichrist wants to bring upon our world and what will be upon us in the last days of the last days. So hearing this term globalism is pushing us toward that. Now, those that study the new norm declare that there has to be a paradigm shift. There has to be a new way of thinking because people don't just easily go from the old norm into a crisis into a new norm we want to go back to the old so the only way to get us to go to a new norm is they introduce to us language different phrases that we've never heard before different words that bring different thought processes that bring different mentalities and therefore different paradigms And so the key to deploy this is this language shift. You hear the language in the media. You hear it with our politicians. You hear it in even social media. And then it becomes buzzwords picked up by friends and family until everyone is speaking the same phraseology, the same word, and has the same mentality, the same paradigm. This is how you shift people from the old norm through a crisis into a new norm. Now, the framing of this new norm is pretty inviting because it declares this. The way we used to live got us into this problem. So we can't go back to the way we used to live or there's another problem on our horizon. So we've got to move into a new way of living. You, you've got to see that this is absolutely, and I'm going to be very uh, strong and blunt. I would like to say that I'm not going to be political because that's always my striving from a pulpit is to not be political. However, because the spirit of the Antichrist and politics has pushed against the church, I'm going to have to be a little bit political to identify spiritually what's going on. Okay. We okay. All right. So understanding this, that this has always been the way that the spirit of the Antichrist has operated. Now, I was born in 1966. That makes me 39. You don't have to do the math. And uh, I got one believer over here. Thank you, Pastor. And uh, we were as a nation in turmoil in the late 60s all the way up until 1975 and a little bit beyond because we were involved as a nation in what we call the Vietnam War or the Vietnam Conflict. And at that time, we were sending thousands upon thousands of soldiers to Asia. And there they were giving their lives. We were losing thousands of our young men and some of our young ladies in Asia. And most of America did not know why we were doing that. So they didn't understand the concept. Most of America still doesn't know why we did that. Sometimes there's a principle that's worth laying your life on the line for. But it's not really understood by a lot of people. So there was turmoil in our streets. While there was thousands being killed in Vietnam, there was rioting in our street, much like what we have seen in the past almost two years. And there was protesting, and there was rioting, and there was a big 
anger against what was perceived as the government and a big anger at what was happening. And they began to declare, we've got to be changed. We've got to be different people. And so they began to introduce language that began to be picked up by politicians. Some songs, many songs were written by this movement and it became a paradigm shift for us. And this is basically what the language was about. Love, 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 all we need is love. Because understand, it's nations that are fighting against nations. If nations just loved each other, there'd be no fighting. In fact, there are races fighting against races. That this, is, this is the ideology. In fact, everything that we define as separating is causing anger and hurt and wars and death. Okay? Now, that's way out of balance. But that's the message. And so they were saying things like, love, 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 all you need is love. And then there were songs that became number one songs that said, imagine this, that there was no nations fighting against nations. Imagine this, that there's no religion too. Because religion builds walls of separation and protection. The message in the 60s and 70s was we don't even need hate in relationship, so marriages shouldn't have any walls or barriers. And we had a whole generation of flower children being born. And they painted their Volkswagen vans with hand-painted pictures of peace and flowers. And they hitchhiked all over. Is there any old hippies in the house? Hitchhiked all over America. This was the message. But pre-1960s and 70s, the nuclear family was pretty much all you could find in America. Which means in almost every home there was one father, one mother, and the union of their children. But because of the breakdown of religious barriers and relationship barriers on the other side of this we've got brand new diseases that we never had like hiv and aids and stds that were never heard of before our family units now it's hard to find a nuclear family it's his third marriage and her second and this baby daddy and that mama all, all the stuff and this is very common because of a different way of thinking. Pre-1960s, the old norm was the family unit. After the paradigm shift of the crisis of Vietnam and the movement that went among us, paradigm shift, we now moved into a time when this is what we have. This is how it works. The enemy takes a crisis and he begins to put his agenda. The Antichrist, the spirit of the Antichrist, begins to speak his agenda. It changes our paradigm thought and we come into a new norm. I, uh, I remember being a child or maybe even a young adult or teenager. And we had our own language that we spoke. I'm not talking pig Latin. I'm talking about teenage language and we would say things that our parents had no clue what we were talking about but it was totally rad dude gnarly i know most of you looking at me like what in the world is he talking about you have to be born in the 60s and be at least 39 
But there was one thing in particular my parents had a hard time with. When we would see something that was awesome, right, or something that was good or great, we'd say, oh, that's bad. And I thought it was silly that my parents didn't want me to say that. But there was a biblical principle that they were trying to hold on to. That the enemy would try to say that which is good is evil and try to call what is evil that is good. So a paradigm shift by a simple word, a simple word of saying, oh, that's bad. A simple word, now we have that in our thought process. It's a paradigm shift. Let me just tell on us. How many of us perhaps get the chance to go out to eat and it might have been one of the best and you got the cheesecake afterwards? And someone said, well, how was it? And you said, oh, it was almost sinful. Now, I, I know what we're saying. I know what we're meaning. But it's a paradigm shift. And the paradigm shift is this. It's saying, well, there's some things that you don't partake of very often. Like sin. But if you ever get a chance to sin a little bit, woo! I know we don't mean that, but it's easy just to take language and speak things and it become paradigm shifts. This is what's happening in Joel 2. They were living in a time when they were fairly comfortable. They had good things upon them. And the scripture says that God sent his army among them things that destroyed things in their life the caterpillar the palmer worm all these things destroyed it took away their health it took away their finance it caused them to be concerned about their future but God sent this because he needed a crisis for his people so they won't stay in the same place where they're at, but they would realize there's a prophecy of greater things. We are absolutely in paradigm shift operation. And the spirit of the Antichrist is ushering us more and more to a place of globalism. It seems every day we get closer to that place. Think about these phrases that have been introduced to us. Shelter in place. How many of you heard of that phrase, shelter in place, before 2020? Before 2020. But during the crisis, we were introduced to a new phrase, shelter in place. And according to what part of the country you are and a lot of things, it can be defined differently. But all of us have this basic understanding that shelter in place means something like go home and hide. Don't see anybody. Don't touch anybody. Just go home where no one can have influence in your life or talk upon your life and you can't influence anybody else. Now... The framing of that is good because global pandemic, we don't want to touch each other and lick on each other and get each other sick. Framing is good. But now we have a mentality to understand what shelter in place is. How about this one? Social distancing. Oxymoron. <laughs> you can't truly social and be distant. But now when we hear that phrase, somehow it makes sense to us. 
And social distancing now is, you know, six foot apart maybe, or wearing one mask, two masks, three masks, according to whatever, you know. I'm not trying to be cruel. I want to identify we have an understanding and a paradigm when we say social distancing. I'm going to bring the spirit into these phrases in just a moment. How about, how about this one? Defund the police. And I told you I was cool, trying not to be political, but I've got to hit some spiritual things here. In fact, when we began to read the book of Revelations, the revelation of Jesus Christ that speaks so much of the time that we're in, we see four horsemen coming and speaking woes to the world that turn the world upside down. But what I want you to see is that the horsemen are coming through a transportation of horses. Zechariah makes it clear that horses are the spirits. It represents the spirit behind what the horseman brings. So there is a spirit behind what is coming across our world right now. Let me identify what defund the police means. It means you should not, for whatever reason, okay, whether you believe it's true racism or it's systematic or whatever lack of training, for whatever reason, this is what they want you to think. You can't trust the police. Can't trust local police. And beyond that, you obviously can't trust on a state level, and you sure can't trust on a federal level. So what we need, here's where we're going, is a one-world military body to enforce that we can all trust. This is where we're going. It's why you're hearing this stuff to fund the police. Otherwise, it makes absolutely no sense. What is this shelter in place and social distancing? It's a direct attack of the Antichrist against apostolic lifestyle. Because the scripture is without doubt, it declares that the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, the more we need to gather ourselves together and be people of light, precious faith, and join the word of God together, and join worship and praise, praying together. Social distancing directly comes against laying on of hands, which is apostolic, and that's where healings and miracles and signs and wonders happen. And so the spirit behind this is the spirit of the Antichrist pushing us into a different paradigm. And so there needs to be an understanding that while the world is moving some direction through a paradigm shift of different phraseology, we need to be careful to make sure the word of God is still what we believe regardless of what society says or political pressure declares. And so while I have speaking so much doom and gloom here today, faces are getting longer. And, but the good news is this. What the enemy meant for evil, God always turns around for good. God didn't go on vacation in 2020 and come back and say, my goodness, what's happened to my world? God knew exactly what was going on. In fact, I believe I can speak to you through Joel too, that God pulled back his mercy that he had been withholding on a sinful world and he allowed his great army to come among us. Now, I'm going I'm to deal with some things, so just hold on to your thought process for just a moment. There is a new norm for the church, and it's what God is speaking to us today. 
The prophecies that we have heard of the last days are absolutely upon us now. The greatest revival that the church has ever seen is the threshold that we are stepping through right now. Gifts of the Spirit, miracles, signs, and wonders like we have never seen before. It's the time for them to operate and to see and to move forward. Timing is everything in the kingdom of God, and this is the time for where we are. Jesus demonstrates this. Let me show you that God uses this same principle of new norm coming from old norm through crisis. When God wants to take his people to a greater understanding of consciousness, from consciousness to a greater understanding of law, he lets a crisis come across the world that we call a flood. Old norm, dispensation of consciousness. Flood, crisis. New norm is a time when God deals with people and nations, with prophets and laws. This is the new norm. This is the same thing that Christ is doing when he comes in the New Testament Gospels. Because there has been the old norm or the Old Testament. There has been a crisis of 400 years of silence. Talking about a crisis where God did not speak directly through a prophet to a nation or to a king or to a nation. He has not spoken 400 years. And then at the end of that 400 years, Christ shows up preaching a new Love, a new commandment, a new testament. Can you imagine that they have had church for hundreds of years and God is not speaking to them directly? They should have been desperate through the crisis. They should have been looking at the Messiah prophecies and speaking new idea, a new paradigm and new phrases. But when Jesus gets here, uh, they want the old norm. Now, if you study the Gospels, and I've given myself to studying the Gospels, it seems amazing to me that Jesus does so many miracles, but it's like he doesn't do them on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday. It's like he waits till the Sabbath day, and then he's doing these miracles. It's almost in your face. Because they thought he was working, which was against their traditions. Not Old Testament law, but against their traditions that they had formulated through the years. And their old traditions were keeping them from receiving the New Testament. And maybe, just maybe, they didn't mind that he opened blinded eyes. Maybe they didn't mind that he made the lame to walk or raise the dead. But why did he have to do it on their Sabbath? And this is their mindset. If he's really the Messiah and from God, why didn't he come through our seminary? We already have a religious program set up here and an organization going on. Why didn't he just come through it and be the best Pharisee of anyone in the place? Most powerful preacher of all the scribes and all the religious individuals. But he came outside of the religious traditions. Now, this is what's happening in Luke chapter 5. Verse 36 of Luke 5. 
Jesus speaks a parable unto them. No man putteth a piece of a new garment upon an old, if otherwise then both the new make the rent, and the piece that was taken out of the new agreeth not with the old. No man putteth new wine in the old bottles, else the new wine will burst the bottles and be spilled, and the bottles shall perish. But new wine must be put into new bottles, both to preserve. No man also having drunk old wine straightway desireth new, for he saith the old is better. Now that last verse is what I've been talking to you about for the last few moments. No one having experienced the old norm is going to straightway say, hey, forget about that. Give me the new norm. Because he's going to say, oh, do you remember how we used to have church pre-COVID? Do you remember how we used to do this? How the power, and you're going to pine for the old. But Jesus is declaring there is a crisis upon you, and you've got to realize that God himself is doing something with greater authority and greater anointing and greater power than what we've ever had. And so we've got to have the crisis, or we're going to want to go right back to the way we were. So two parables here that are very powerful in Revelation. First of all, he speaks about a garment, and I'm going to be uh, maybe too vulnerable with you here today as I tell you that I I probably have a handful of T-shirts at home. I might have brought one or two with me. That um, when I really want comfort, that's what I put on. When I'm looking to kick back, I'm at the house, nobody else is there, I probably put one of them on. But through the years, I've worked in them, sweated in them, played in them, done all kinds of, ate in them, spilled stuff on them. They might have a hole or two there and here and and probably stains until they look like some kind of watercolor thing, you know. But it's so, I think I could throw it up in the air and just stand under it. It just, it's like a second skin. So comfortable. I can't tell you how many times I've retrieved them from the garbage can. Lois! I have been convicted going out to the mailbox, realizing I have that shirt on, and I'm praying, oh, God, don't let anybody drive by that I know. And then I'm like, don't let anybody drive by that I don't know. God, just block the road and don't let anybody drive. I guess because these shirts are so comfortable and Lois is such an excellent seamstress that I could get Amazon to send me maybe five brand new white T-shirts. And when they arrive, I said, baby, take the new T-shirts, cut a patch out of it, and just cover these holes right here. You know, this stain right here. This is what Jesus is saying. If you try to do that, it won't work because the old is so dry rotted. It was for a purpose and for a time, and that purpose and time is done. If you try to sew that patch, the dry-rotted shirt's going to fall apart. And if somehow you can get that patch on there, it's not going to agree or match. It's going to be even uglier. He said the best thing you can do is take the old T-shirt and throw it away and put on the whole brand new T-shirt. This is the concept that he's speaking about. This is beautifully exampled with blind Bartimaeus. He's on the road to Jericho. Jesus is coming by. He shouts out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus bids him come, the Bible says that he stood up, took off his garment, and went to Jesus. Now, that garment was specifically for him. He was vetted as an individual with a handicap. 
His society and culture vetted him and determined that he was worthy of compassion and people giving to this individual. So they gave him a particular garment of color or design so that everyone that saw him knew, you're not going to waste your $5. He's not going to go and do drugs or alcohol. It would be nice to have something like this in our world so we could give people on the street corner with signs, help wanted, right there behind them. How are hiring right now, homeless, feed me, that type of stuff. But he had this garment. So when Jesus said come, he took that garment off. That garment had blessed him. It gave him favor. It brought finances to him. It was a good garment for him. It was a good thing that he had that. But when he found out he could go to Jesus, he said, that was good for the past. But where I'm going is greater authority and greater power. So he took that off completely. I'm not going to need that. I'm moving into this new dimension. And then Jesus gives an example of wine bottles and new wine being put into bottles. And he made the statement that you can't put new wine into old bottles. Now, the bottles of their time were primarily made out of goat skins. And they would harvest goat, they would tan the hide, sew it together, and as it began to dry, it would tighten up so that this goat skin become actually liquid-proof, waterproof, wine-proof, as the case was. But in the arid, dry air of the Middle East, after a time of carrying this, they would become so brittle, so rigid, so unmoving that if you put new wine into these old rigid bottles, the new wine is about to go through a process of fermentation where it's going to come stronger than what it is. It, it's going to have to move. It's going to have to, it's going to have to shift. And the bottle, if it's rigid and unshifting, it will actually burst and destroy the bottle. And Jesus said, you can't do it. It won't work. But if he's going to put something new and powerful in these old vessels, then the old vessels had to be made new. This word new bottle is also meaning refurbished. It can be made new again. And this process revelatory for us today. For they would take these old goat skins that had become dry and unmovable, and to make them new again, they would plunge them in the water. They would saturate them, hold them under the water, soak them completely. And once that process had begun, they would continue to do it, dunking it in the water, saturating it, marinating, letting it get totally soaked. Then they would take it out and smear oil all over this goat skin, make it more pliable. Then they would dunk it again, smear it again, dunk it again. These two elements, oil and water, are representative in the Word of God of the Holy Ghost and His anointed presence. What the scripture here is telling us in Luke 5 is that when God brings this new dimension of authority that we've been preaching about and prophesying about and our elders are promising us are coming, when he brings it in right now, we have got to be pliable. Here's the problem. If you always do things the way you've always done it, you'll always get what you've always... That's it. It's insanity. It's the def definition of insanity to think you always do things the way you have and you're going to get something new. Craziness. And so here's where we're at. It is the time 
of the times of the times. And this world is not long. And everything that is promised in the word of God is true. There is going to be a move among us in just a short while. Where harvest is going to come. Won't be able to put them in this building. You buy the entire block, it won't be able to fit them. Where there's going to be your loved ones coming home. Where miracles of healing, signs, and wonders are going to happen. We're right there. But the problem is this. We expect it to happen through our traditional ways that we have been brought up. In fact, I can tell you what I know prophetically in my spirit. It's not going to be all through a particular organization. That's where we're going to struggle. Well, it has to come through our smokestack, no. In fact, we see that Jesus absolutely offered it in early in his ministry. But when the synagogues and the temples where he preached didn't want it, then he just went out to the streets, whosoever will. And we're going to have to realize that we can't go back traditionally to the way things used to be. So, in 1902, 1905, 1906, there was a powerful outpouring up the street a little bit. Azusa Street, Los Angeles, California. From Azusa Street, there was a spreading of revival into two main pockets in America. And that was in Tulsa. Topeka, I'm sorry. Thank you, Lois. Topeka, Kansas. It didn't sound right to me. <laughs> Topeka, Kansas. And in 1906, 1907, 19- a powerful pocket of revival in L.A. and also in Topeka. There was another spot. Houston, Texas. And now mainly three pockets of the revival that is pouring out. We're in 1912, 1914, and people were traveling from all over the world to get to Zusa Street. All over the world to go to Topeka or Houston. And at that time, very few had their Model T's, so they were horseback and buggies and ships and trains from all over the world were coming to these three pockets. But then God sent a crisis in 1918. And probably you've heard enough of it in the past few months to realize that was the global pandemic of the Spanish influenza. And all of a sudden, people couldn't get to them places. They couldn't travel like they used to travel. They couldn't gather politically like they used to gather. And so what they did is they decided we've got to have a prayer meeting in our basement if we can't get to Azusa Street, if we can't get to Topeka or Houston. And what was only in pockets began to spread like wildfire all across America and even outside our borders, up into the north of Canada and even across our sea until today. What is caused from that revival, statisticians tell us that over over 700 million people confess to be tongue talkers in our world today. This is the way God operates. Now, I know, I know that we have been hurt personally by COVID. I personally have friends that have gone on to their reward during this time. And beautiful 
in the eyes of the Lord of the death of his saint. We need to be preaching that more and more. That when someone goes to their reward that has been among us and been faithful, we rejoice. Yes, we grieve and we miss them, but we rejoice. We need to have that paradigm shift. And if God calls one of us home, we rejoice. And it is hurt. People I have preached for, some have passed away. People I prayed for, churches and families, families that very close. God could have stepped to the edge of this world and said, disease be gone. And instantly it had been gone. He could have, but he didn't. He could have even did like he did in the land of Goshen and let the rest of Egypt be plagued and his people be protected. He could have said, everyone that's a child of mine will never get this COVID-19. That didn't happen. He could have, but it didn't. Why? Because he needed it to hurt enough that we wouldn't just go back to the way we used to operate things. But we would realize there's a new dimension and a new authority. And we have to move into that. I'm closing. Let me read to you from the Great Commission as Mark declares it. Mark chapter 15. The scripture says, Mark 16 and 15. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now let me identify some things. We have been trying to do that in my generation. But the best that we've been able to do is this. Find a couple or a family who feels a burden for a foreign nation. Send them for months or sometimes even years traveling around our nation, our churches to raise money, deputizing. Finally, we will send them by themselves to a foreign land where they're expected to start a church, start daughter works, start a school of preachers, ministry, eventually to uh, an entire organization to sweep their country and to spread into other countries. Having to come back every two, three, four years, whatever it might be. Thank God for global missions and the best we could do. But now something has happened. We were forced to do something very untraditional for many of us. Maybe not so much for you, but for many of us. Because when shelter in place happened, our leaders all over the nation said, uh-oh, we've got to get our world, our message to our people. Our saints are not able to come to church. And so they updated Wi-Fis. They got YouTube channels. They made sure their production was pretty good. Facebook Live, I mean, you name it, whatever they could do. And we started ministering to our people because the time was so desperate. We were forced because of this crisis into a new tradition. Old tradition is this, is that if ever the community is among you watching you, you know, water things down a little bit. Keep so-and-so from shouting. They're going to think we're absolutely crazy. Don't, don't have a blowout service because if you're presenting yourself online to the world, it was don't act like some of them crazies you see on Laugh Church. But when COVID began to hit and we were sheltering in place, the word of God started going forth to our people powerfully. 
no fear, no favor, with love, truth. Never have we seen truth that strong until COVID. And then we realized, wait a minute, it's not just our people watching. People from churches around aren't having anything going, so they're tuning in. And then not just our region, but hearing from people all over the states, people from India and Trinidad and Africa, anybody could tune in. And now we're able to fulfill this commission to a faster degree, to a greater degree than ever before. I tell you that the social media we have needs to go forth with power. Not so that we have an excuse to skip church, but because the world needs to hear the gospel. And as long as we still have the opportunity, because I'm telling you, it will cut off. Spirit of the Antichrist will no longer let us do that. But while we have the opportunity, it needs to be preached on social media. I think we need to be on any kind of media we possibly can. And the, pre- the, the world needs to hear the gospel. Verse 17. These signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. You know, I, I don't know that I have... Heard this, they shall take up serpents, they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them, they shall lay hands on the sick. I don't think that's been preached much in the past 20 months because we're frustrated. Oh, they shall lay hands on the sick and recover. You know how many times we pray for sick to go against COVID, not to touch our church and this not to happen, that. And it seemed like very little happened for the good. And they're doing everything. They, they were singing Corona, Begonia. Brother Waddle, I think you need to learn that one. I'm kidding. People were blowing. They were screaming. They're, COVID be gone. And, and nothing. Very little. And so we backed off of preaching this because no understanding. But we're moving it through a threshold. Well, this right here is going to be the norm. where miracles and healings are going to happen in every service. Not just our church service. It's going to happen in our workplace. It's going to happen in our neighborhoods. You're going to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And it will be a testimony and a witness to the power. I have seen many miracles in our ministry. Twice in our ministry, we've seen the dead raised. I've literally seen the crippled walk. I've got videos of it. Cancers have been eradicated. And I will teach and preach about it at times. But you've got to realize it's pockets. I'll tell you, this happened in Tennessee. And that happened in Wisconsin. And when I was in Singapore, this happened. Malaysia this, Africa this. And I tell you about where pockets happen, just like the pockets of revival in the early 1900s. But through the crisis, God is trying to move us into a new norm. And it won't be pockets where healings and miracles happen. But it'll be everywhere the church is gathered. Miracle signs and wonders. And the revival, hear me, the revival will be everywhere. Entire churches receiving a revelation, receiving the hope. They won't change their names. They won't become a part of this order. They'll just receive the revelation and they'll be baptized in Jesus' name. They'll be filled with the Holy Ghost and the same Holy Ghost that leads and guides us. But it's the whole same Holy Ghost that leads and guides them into all truths. 
So here's where we've got to stand is realizing that every traditional ideology and thought process of how this last day revival was going to happen, we've got to get rid of that paradigm. Well, some powerful preacher is going to come in and you're going to have a revival that's going to explode here and the entire city is going to hear about it. Probably not. Probably not. We're going to bring a tent in the whole city this Probably not. And the only way that we're going to be able to receive what's happening and not miss it, hear me, is that we have got to get plunged in the Holy Ghost. We got to pray in tongues today. And Friday ain't too far. We got to pray in tongues again tomorrow. Saturday comes. We got to pray in the Spirit. We got to get the Holy Ghost again Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Everywhere we go, the Holy Ghost has to happen. It has to flow. Or we're going to miss what God's doing because we're not going to be pliable. We've got to learn to linger in worship. That's that anointing oil. We've got to linger in an altar. We've got to linger in a prayer service. We can't be pushed by political pressures. We've got to linger in fellowship. We've got to linger in His presence and get dunked in the Holy Ghost over and over and over. Or guaranteed we will miss what's happening. Let me show you this last thing and I'm done. Verse 17 of Mark 16 declares this. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. I've read that a thousand times. But until the timing of where we're at began to reveal to me what this is saying. That our preachers, as we are hearing the Spirit of God, are speaking to us new phrases than what we've heard before. I'm preaching about the last days of the last days. I've never really preached that before because it's upon us. I'm telling you, we're close to the end of the world. Revival is upon us. This is what I'm preaching. And our leaders are hearing this and feeling it in the Spirit. We're hearing things, so there's new language that's going to help us move to the new norm. But even the Holy Ghost itself, whatever edifying tongue you pray in, God will give you a new tongue. So when you pray in the Spirit, spiritually it begins to speak to you new languages. It begins to speak to you new phrases, new words. And it ushers you through the Spirit supernaturally into a place where you're ready for the new norm. So stand with me if you would. Here's the deal. If COVID is ever declared behind us we can't fight to go back to the way things used to be because God sent his army to shake us and to move us and yes to take from us caterpillars, palmer worms destroy things in us so we don't just want to go back to the way it used to be for fear the same thing could happen. And from the midst of this global pandemic, the Holy Ghost is speaking to the church. We've got to have a new norm. The doctrine never changes. 
But our vain traditions, our mindsets about harvest and revival, our thought processes about how ministry operates, who operates in ministry, all these traditional things have to die out to what God is doing in the new norm. It's, it's time for a new norm. And while it's, you know, the old saying is, can't teach old dogs new tricks. I understand that. I an old dog. But this old dog is going to get dunked in the Holy Ghost. He's going to linger in the presence of God. And when the Spirit begins to say, hey, go over here. Do this. Operate here. I'm going to be flexible enough to hear the voice of God and to be led of the Spirit. Simon Peter is the key that will usher in a revival to the Gentiles. And God has to speak to him over and over and over before he even listens. Three sheets lower down at Joppa. He speaks one time to the harvest and the harvest obeys. Three times to Simon Peter because he's got all this Jewish tradition. And all this tradition he's had since Pentecost. We can't miss. We can't miss. Here's the first thing that we need to address. There's a battle of fear across our world like never before. And it has crept into the church strong. I know what I'm preaching. I've been all across the nation in the past 18 months. It's crept into our churches. And we have either got to decide we believe this or maybe we believe modern science more. We believe this or maybe we believe whatever the next word out of the medical world is. We believe this and we know who we are and where we are and where we're going or, or we don't. But those that believe the report, they're the ones that the arm of the Lord is revealed to. So I'm standing here before you and saying, I don't want to be foolish. I sure don't want to offend anybody anywhere. But first of all, I've got to be spirit-led. And when the Spirit begins to speak to me, new dimensions, new authority, I know I can't receive that with my old traditions and old ways. So I'm going to be led of the Spirit, certified in the principle of the Word of God, led by the Spirit to where God has taken us. Pastor, I feel prophetically to speak to you first. Is this all right? You have never felt like you fit into the norm around you. You have been unique, but God prepared you in this from your mother's womb. For such a time as this. Because you're not afraid to do things a little different if the Spirit speaks. You're not afraid to follow after the Holy Ghost if He assures you it's Him. 
This will be a church. This will be a leadership that others will look to because you've already positioned yourself. You've already made yourself ready and the Holy Ghost will speak to you of the new norm of revival and outpouring and miracles and signs and wonders. I feel that pastor receive it in Jesus' name. I feel like I'm recruiting here today. First night of revival. I feel like I'm recruiting. Anybody really want to be a part of what the Spirit is saying in these last days? Or you just want to go back to the way things used to be? Is anybody here like, come on, what the Spirit says we got to do? If it's a new dimension of worship, let me go there. If it's a new place to worship, let me go there. If it's through media, whatever the Spirit is speaking, that's what I want to do. They're making their way to the front. That's appropriate. Just come down and get dunked in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost again. That's it. Pray in the Spirit again. Let, Let the presence of God. If you're watching online, find an altar somewhere. Find an altar somewhere and pray in the Spirit. Find an altar somewhere and be filled with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is going to speak to you right now. Some things that you need to step out of your comfort zone and listen to the Holy Ghost and begin to operate in. In the name of Jesus, I loose our ears to hear what thus saith the Word of God. And we hear your voice. Lead us, God. Lead us, God. Spirit of fear, I come against you in the name of Jesus. I will not be afraid. I'm a child of God. He has me in his hands. I'm his child. He is my father. He will never leave me. Hey. (laughs) Ministry, help us pray. We're going to sing. We're going to worship. Ministry, lay hands if it's appropriate. If it's appropriate, brother, lay a hand on a brother, sister, lay a hand on a sister. Let the Holy Ghost encourage us. Let our faith arise. Let our faith arise. Let our faith arise. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. You can visit our website or church app if you would like to give. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe, like and share it with your friends, and tag us on social media because we want to witness with you what God is doing in your life. Thank you and God bless.